Welcome to the Show Up Podcast, a place where we explore leadership and how it's showing up for us in the world in which we work, and a space for you to explore what leadership means in your context, how you show up, how you turn up to be the best leader you can be in the world that you work in today. On this occasion, we return to a subject we've explored a little bit before, and this idea of minimum viable leadership. And really, we're asking the question, what would it take for someone to be able to successfully lead with the least amount of effort? Now, as you know, with the podcast, we go lots of places on our conversations, and this one certainly does play around with lots of different simple ideas that you as a leader might be able to put into practice. So as you go and explore what your leadership looks like, maybe some of these tips will help and you can see what difference leadership can really make for you in your role in this world. Good afternoon, listeners. Good afternoon, Jamie. Good afternoon, Graham. How are you guys? Bring on the weekend. Bring on the weekend. There we go. It's Friday afternoon. <laughs> I love that. That's the forward looking. Mine is the please end the week. Please end the week. There we go. And wherever you are and whatever you're doing, I hope you're feeling centered in, in this moment and ready to listen to this episode of the Show Up podcast. Uh, we are all feeling a little bit pulled in a number of different directions and a little bit frazzled and uh, processing through all of that. And as ever, on this podcast, we want to be open with you about where we're coming from and how we're doing. Today, we are going to have a little bit of a shorter conversation than normal, but we're going to discuss something that came up in one of the early episodes, may even have been episode one or two, I can't remember exactly. Certainly early on, definitely. When when this, this idea popped up of the concept of minimum viable leadership. And we thought we'd return to that as we near the end of this season, season one of the show podcast. We're going to return to this concept of minimum viable leadership and what might that look like. And I thought I would just start with an articulation of what I think that might mean. And we might end up somewhere completely different by the end of this conversation. And then I think we, we normally do. Jamie well, smiles says that we normally yeah, do. As we, so. as we do. <laughs> yeah. Always do, yeah. So that, take this as a starting point uh, rather than a definitive definition. So when we came up with the idea of minimum viable leadership or when this concept kind of popped up in a conversation, the way that I was thinking about it was in relation to minimum viable product from a lean startup perspective. For those of you who don't know, the lean startup is a widely used method for product and service innovation in startups. And the basic concept behind it is that you should get as quickly as possible to something that is a viable product and get it in front of customers that might pay for it and see if they'll pay. And if they'll pay, you have a viable product and you can then iterate from there rather than spending lots and lots of time designing what you think might be an amazing product without speaking to any customers about it. And we were thinking about this in the context of minimum viable leadership. And if you are minded to try a different approach to leadership, in a way that is leadership innovation. And you'll probably call on other sources and other 
areas of guidance as to how you might change that but you your leadership context is unique to you to who you are as a person and the people that you are leading the teams you operate in the organizations you work within and the people that you liaise with whether that's customers or suppliers or consumers or whatever it is that you do and who you work with so everybody's leadership context is unique to them and as a result it i believe it's necessary to test and innovate and iterate on your own leadership style to find what works for you in that personal context that you've got and so that's where i see a parallel between minimum viable product and this minimum viable leadership perspective is you don't know what's going to work effectively as a leader until you try it and get feedback and the optimal approach to that in my judgment is to be open-minded about growing and adapting so that you can iterate your leadership style and figure out what works for you in the context you're operating in so that's where i've got to on minimum viable leadership and what i wanted to do today is just spend the next half an hour or so kicking the tires on that and seeing what that might really mean in practice and i think at the heart of this is the concept of understanding how your leadership impact your leadership style is landing and how effective it is and so that leads me jamie to look in your direction and want to understand about how you might go about measuring and gathering data in tight with tight feedback loops so that when you make a change to your leadership style you can actually understand how it's landing with people uh well thank you for just handing me the hot potato of how to make minimum viable leadership model work in practice uh (laughs) go thank you go right we're off um I tell you what it it is it is a it's a great question how do you make it practical but also useful um first thing is not to use the word measurement actually the first thing that came to mind as I was listening to you describe this and I thought wow this is just such a cool thing to be thinking about but the the moment you introduce the concept of measurement you introduce the concept of good or bad right or wrong better or worse rather than what am I learning and if you're going to try something new, the best outcome is you gather evidence that you can use, which means you've got to go in with totally objective mind of I'm trying something on the basis of a hypothesis and therefore I want to learn as much as possible from which I can sense make or make sense of what do I do next with that. So um, I think the idea that you go into any kind of shift in how you want to be as a leader with an idea of how do I monitor it, first of all, rather than how do I measure it. Monitor being just something that just allows you to think of progress, uh, observation, learning, rather than comparison to a target, a goal, or a scale. Because you don't know what to measure against at this stage. So shift the mindset to and the language to start with. Second one is think of the layers of or ripples um, that you might create as you change as a leader. Think of the dropping a pebble in a stone type thing. Sorry, a, a pebble in a pond um, type uh, imagery. You'll see the ripples go out. Just the same as anything else with leadership. When you change a leadership style, 
you'll see ripples going out in the organization. So how do you start to spot the points at which you can monitor where those ripples are getting to, if indeed there are ripples? And that's really what you want to establish first. Is there a change happening? And if so, who's feeling it and how they're feeling it? it if, I can, with... if I can just pick up on that ripples concept, because yeah. I think I think that's important. And then I'm wondering, in the context of minimum viable leadership, you want to make a change that is noticeable, but a, a it would be a small change. Yeah. And you're trying to fine-tune the impact of that change. I wonder in that context, would you focus just on the first ripple, as it were, or would you invest time in the subsequent ripples and seeing how it cascades out? Or are you saying that if it doesn't cascade out, then maybe it's not something you want to retain? It's it, Be aware of both. You can't just go, am I making a difference in the first round? without understanding whether it may go beyond. But I'd only focus my real attention in the minimum viable product or uh, leadership um, concept if um, in that first one or two concentric circles. I wouldn't worry about necessarily at this point trying to build a system or a, a way of integrating measurement monitor, monitoring across all the way to commercial outcomes over a period of time because that takes time and effort and lots of experiments. If we're talking about minimum viable, they would say, if I think I'm changing, what's the first ripple effect that I can triangulate to see if anybody else is noticing this and if they're responding to it? But bear in mind that, therefore, beyond that, there might be some other stuff that happens. So you've got to try and think of a way, well, how can I triangulate that, therefore, afterwards in due course with something else? Because there's no point creating an MVP of any sort unless it can fit ultimately uh, into a bigger system, the same with minimum viable leadership model. You've got to think of it in the context of if I then carried on with this, how would I continue to use it rather than have to throw it away and start again? So in this case, monitor it rather than measure it. Think about the first layer that you triangulate a monitoring effect with and then say, well, what is it that I'm trying? Question. What is my hypothesis around this? If I become more curious how do I behave and therefore what do they see? If I become more self-aware, how do I show up? What do other people experience? If I become more reflective, what do people notice? You start to build a set of questions that allow you to go, ah, I can then answer those questions about who I, who I feel I am, but I can then start to test the other bit of this. And I can either do that through cognitive, active questioning survey yeah just pure dialogue or passive which is i notice without asking them how people behave differently and that's my observation to how i show up so that's what i'd start with a very simple doesn't require any kind of engineering of any sort what you're doing is saying right what are the ripples Who's going to be experiencing it first? What's the question I'm and hypothesis I'm testing here that I can therefore monitor both in the first layer, which is me, and the first ripple out, which will be the people who I interact with most? Mm -hmm. That makes sense? It does. I've got lots of follow-on questions and comments, but I want to leave some space for Graham. 
Yeah, I've got lots of thoughts going through my head. Maybe ask your questions, comments, because I'm going to think I'm, I think I'm going to move it in a, a direction that looks more of the context of which this might be needed. So I think go okay. there first. All right. So one of the things that I think it's worth us just explicitly stating, which was implied in a lot of what you said, Jamie, is that this is, for this to work, it has to be a deliberate and conscious choice to test a hypothesis. I love that you used the word hypothesis in there of so rather than someone sitting there going oh i i read a blog post or i listened to this incredible podcast about leadership and decided to change something i'm doing in a somewhat unconscious ad hoc non not planned way and i think for us for this this idea of minimum viable leadership to work you've got to have the monitoring set up and thank you for calling me out on the measurement word you've got to have the monitoring set up and thought through before you make the change and some kind of baseline against which to observe a change in you or in that first and second order ripples. So it's got to be a conscious decision to try something and see what happens. Much, much better and easier if it is conscious. It's harder to unconsciously start it and then retrospectively go, what would I have measured or monitored? Yeah. Because you then get all sorts of cognitive filters on what was really going on. What did I, you know, what should I have monitored? Where did I start and where am I now? It's a to do this on a conscious basis is probably the most effective way of becoming aware of an intentional change in how I become, how I am as a leader, as how I am as a person. Yeah. And so I think. That for me feels pretty central to uh, if someone wants to try this idea of minimum viable leadership, you've got to have a, a plan and a hypothesis. And actually, within that hypothesis, you've got to really only change one thing at once. If you if you That's... try and if you try and make three different changes to your leadership style or technique or tools that you're using in one go, you're going to muddy the data so much that it's hard to make sense of yep it's if you want to if you want to start to deconstruct it into causality or at least something that you can say that one that bit of what i've changed works better than the others then it is much more difficult if you just decide to change everything at once and um that's also fine um it doesn't stop people saying i just want to become a completely different person doesn't stop that at all just recognize that understanding then the links and the patterns between the choices you've made, the combinations or the individual elements of that and the consequence is going to be much harder to, to, to distinguish. Yeah, which may, which is a, it's, okay. That's a, it's a viable option to say, well, I just want to jump from where I am now to this completely different place. And if perhaps if you're sitting there thinking I'm, I'm really not getting this leadership thing to work in the way that I want it to work and I need to make a wholesale change then maybe it does make sense to just jump from where you are to a different place and try a whole bunch of different things and see if that changes and then fine-tune and I think maybe the maybe the model that I've got in my head is a fine-tuning model around a leadership system that works reasonably well and it's about optimizing that system over time as opposed to Every, it's just broken like you're just 
acting out all the time and uh, treating your team in a way they don't want to be treated and you've got no understanding of what you're really trying to achieve. If, if you've got a kind of major surgery needed, then maybe a big jump and changing a whole bunch of things at once makes more sense. It could well be. And, and bear in mind that let's imagine you're on a management team and somebody new comes in, that new person is going to create an entirely new dynamic, in which case you've suddenly got that that reality of a totally new dynamic, a totally new presence that's going to have an influence in the system. So the ripples will be completely different as a consequence of that. Um, and therefore, these things happen in real life. People choose to become or mimic a Simon Sinek version of leadership because they spent the weekend watching YouTube videos about him and the, the art of the why. And I, they found their why on a Sunday afternoon. They turn up on a Monday morning and they just want to be somebody completely different. So they behave in all sorts of different ways. And then they go, well, that seemed to work. Everybody's happier. But they, they, they can't unpack it easily. But actually, the results continue to happen. And they're happy to inhabit that persona or they become to grow into it. That's great. But their level of understanding and self-awareness about why it's happening is limited. The people who take an incremental approach and say, I have intentionally changed this part of what I do. I'm going to ask more questions. I'm going to listen with more uh, you know, active um, openness rather than listen to fix or win. Um, then people can start to see what is it amongst their portfolio of capacities that makes a difference in terms of the impact in that first or second level of ripples that they can then go, right, that bit works, that bit didn't really work, or I've got to fine-tune that. So the fine-tuning can still work. And you can have maybe less of an immediate impact of somebody copying Simon Sinek or whoever it might be that they you know, watch the TEDx talk about. But the people take the incremental route will become more consciously aware of the differences they've made and the journey they're on than those who've just inhabited a new new uniform and try to retrofit where I was to where I am now. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. The other thing that pops up for me around that is part of what you're, you talked about essentially two different types of monitoring you've got kind of the cognitively direct monitoring of asking people questions or surveys or what have you versus observing how people behave as a result of your leadership and i the other thing i think that's coming up for me i think I, what i've observed is it is often the case where someone will say you know as a leader i am trying to do this or I'm trying this new approach and I'd love feedback on how it lands for you and I wonder whether actually that is a mistake in terms of you're muddying the data by telling people that you're trying a certain style and that you have an expectation of how that style is going to influence things and by by telling them that you're you're you know you're you're going to try as a leader to be uh, use active listening techniques and be more empathetic to the team's needs and if you say that to people that in itself is going to influence the, the fact that you've told them that is going to influence their behaviors and how they perceive you as a leader which 
might have a different influence than you just starting to do those things and seeing how they react. So my instinct on that would be to change the behavior without advertising it to keep the data clean. But I don't know if I'm overblowing that. I think what comes up for me as you say it is it's the, and it's all contextually driven. Hmm. Some people will like to know why they're seeing something different before they see something different and are comfortable with that because it implies to them, I've got a leader who's aware and is conscious of us. Others may prefer a leader who just evolves with the times and they notice subtle differences, but the leader's quite consciously making choices to do things differently at different moments. So I think both scenarios can have a positive outcome, but it depends on that unique dynamic of that group of people of which someone is the leader. Yeah. What comes up for me as you talk about it is this idea that leadership can be feel like the biggest, hairiest, greyest skill in the whole working locker. You know, we've all we've all done operational roles, each of us, where we've had to have a subject matter expertise in one thing. And then we've all been fortunate enough to lead. And no one ever really teaches you how to lead, right? They give you some things that you can go and do, but so much of it is contextually driven. What I like about the concept of minimal via, minimum viable leadership is this idea, make it small, make it experimental, make it monitorable, so you can see as a leader what impact you're having on the group in which you lead what's the feedback they're giving that helps shape the way you approach what's the objective that you're trying to lead people towards and how are they motivated to get to it and as a leader you're taking a moment in time to think about how you get the job done and the evidence i think we would all say shows when leaders do that the outcomes they lead people towards are better because they've stood and thought about it rather than just gone with the flow constantly managed rather than led, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You you sparked a thought. Thank you, Graham. That's beautifully put. Um, And you just sparked a little image in my mind, which was on on the minimum viable leadership kind of gift pack which was if I could put a little box in there of something for anybody, it would be a little box that you open it up and say, here's your first dose of real self-awareness. Hmm. That that at the heart of everything we're describing is you can't really think about the ripples because of what you're trying and so on, so unless you're self-aware about what you're going to go about doing. You can't do anything that uh, Graham's described unless you start to go, where am I in this? And how do I feel about it? If it, At the very heart of that minimum viable leadership concept is become aware of how aware you are of yourself. 
And every Always every practice back. self-awareness, doesn't it? Always it's, comes a, it's, it's amazing. It's it's in a think of ripple effects. There's ripple effects of the the change in behavior, there's ripple effects of the influence of my mindset shift, there's ripple effects of the influence I've got from outside of me onto everything else I do. But the heart of it is it's either augmented or diminished by the degree to which you've taken that dose of self-awareness and how authentic it really is. And there's different types of that, but that really is at the heart of it because it then feeds so much other stuff self-awareness leads to curiosity curiosity leads to better questions and better listening and you have inquiry spots, you have spots on jamie about yeah. we do an episode on the anxiety of self-awareness yeah just just to mark that and place that on the horizon somewhere for you chaps because that's just come right up for me there. yeah but what i also no, I, I was uh just on that Graham when jamie said well in this box there'll be a there'll be a secret hidden little box and it'll be your first dose of self-awareness. Just what popped into my head was like some, some horrific video of yourself doing something. <laughs> like, look, look what you do. Look what you do. It's a little mirror. It's a little yeah, mirror. Which is my, my anxiety of self-awareness popping up. <laughs> I think. Yeah, exactly. Which, when it, it, you know, you know, I mentioned there's different types of self-awareness. There's the, what do other people, what do other people see me as? That's the mirror. And then there's the bit which is, what do I feel mm, as that's yeah. going on? But that dose, the dose, the medicine is the one that opens your eyes to the outside and the inside. What what I also think, here, here's a bold statement. Organizations could start putting leadership as a requirement in new leaders' objectives straight away. Have you ever seen a job description where actually developing leadership, your leadership capability is a requirement and objective that you need to pay attention to in your new Very job? Really. To help no, people and, and to recognize this. that it's a skill. Yeah, because it is. It's a trainable skill. I'll go separate to business. Jose Mourinho, average footballer. He's about to lead his fourth or fifth team to a European club competition final. Mm -hmm. There's something in the way he leads people that's meaning he is successful. And it's not to do whether he can kick a football. No, and it's not to do just with his personality traits, right? No, it's not. But I wonder if, and that's what I mean, and I come at this point to say to people, Think about as you take on a leadership position, you know, we're talking about these golden age leaders. As you take on a leadership position, how are you going to consciously develop your skill as a leader alongside the pursuit of the objectives you're leading people towards? Because I don't think it happens enough. I don't think people are encouraged by senior leadership enough to go and do it. And maybe that's what needs to start happening. So people do start being aware of what goes on and notice that you're going to need that to be successful. And thinking about that, as I say, leadership as a skill that has value in and of itself. And I think very often when people talk about leadership, it's seen as this is a, a tool that you might use in order to get to the business outcomes that we've decided are important. So you might, talk to someone in a certain way to get them to do something aligned with that, those business outcomes, mm. but it's a very short term practical perspective on leadership rather than developing a skill set that includes, as we've talked about before, not just practical leadership t 
tools, but your personal capacity as a leader, which is founded in self-awareness. Building that skill set over time, organizations would get huge value from prioritizing that as a, as a, I guess, a, a skill and a capability that is reviewed in performance reviews and viewed as an objective for people to get better at. Yeah. Um, Jamie, on the self-awareness point, I should, I think, so I, I hadn't really come at the minimum viable leadership concept from that point of view, but I think the more I think about it, the more I think this is a really powerful way of actually starting to develop that self-awareness that might be quite accessible to people. So when you think about self-awareness, often like, the way you develop self-awareness can be, well, you have, you know, you have a conversation with a coach and get some feedback or you go to a therapist or you do some shadow work or like, they're quite intense, intimidating things to do. Whereas mm -hmm. this is something that people can do if you're in that 25 to 40 golden age of leadership and you want to develop leadership as a skill, this idea of consciously hypothesizing that if you try this new way of being a leader, it will have a positive impact on what you're trying to do and monitoring that impact. That's a pretty accessible way of getting a dose of self-awareness, yes. right? That is less scary, is more in your control, don't you don't yeah you don't need a psychometric you don't need some kind of deep psychological um personality analysis and stuff like that and in fact there's a guy who i, I was going to say the guy with a bald head but both of you got bald heads yeah um could be anyone who taught me taught me about this framework which i think is one of the loveliest ways and actually quite enjoyable and entertaining ways to do it if you wanted to step into a new role you suddenly become a leader as we described it i think we had different ways of describing the leadership journey it's either thrust upon you suddenly given a leadership role you aspire to it and you achieve it or you've just evolved into it and it's a certain stage of this golden uh, uh the golden age of leadership as we're describing them set a baseline at the first point at which you feel comfortable the point at which you would like to try something different set a baseline against which you can monitor progress the baseline is really about what do I notice about who I am and how I'm doing things first of all that really is grounded how do I feel when I do stuff today before i try something different just make a note of that journal it however you want to do it doesn't have to be overly complicated just keep an eye on what are the things that i feel when i'm leading a team when i'm doing a town hall i'm opening a conference i'm setting an agenda for the first time an accountable whatever how do i feel about it okay so that's the baseline but then the, the self-awareness and curiosity kicks into these the first layer and the thing that I'm thinking of, and then looking at Graham now, is the do-do exercise. Not to do with Ask, child's nappies, just for... Not to do with the children's nappies. Um, it can be as well, by the way. There is a do-do exercise with, with children's nappies. Yeah, you get but, to experience lots when you're a new parent. Yeah. But, <laughs> but as a new parent, that would be something I'll let everybody else experience. But it's the do-do exercise, which is the, the the best way, in my opinion, of getting quite specific and an, an, an objective but still intimate and personal perspective of what it is that I do as a leader that other people respond to and what is it that I don't do that people want to see more or less of. 
So you get not only Jerry's, a baseline Jerry's of how... instituted now. He's like, what are they talking about? Yeah, and I'll, I'll let Graham explain it. But this is this is one of the tools that Graham introduced me to. And actually, we did it with a group of executives in Japan for the first time when I first saw it. And it was actually both brilliant in terms of outcome, but one of the most entertaining things to see um, a bunch of uh, Japanese executives and some of them salary men, like decades long salary men, if you, if you know the Jap- Japanese um, phrase of... That's what their life has all been about, playing around with the idea of doing the doo-doo game. Uh, think of the way in which that might sound in, in in local dialect. But the the fact that we could actually establish a collective understanding of what is it that Graham or Jamie or Derry does that people do like on a one-to-one or collective basis? What is it that Jamie does that people don't like? What is it that Jamie that Jamie doesn't do that people do like? And what is it that Jamie doesn't do that people don't like? They want to see more of. So you have a little quadrant and you work is that, through it. Is that, is that, that's the crux of how, how it works? Yeah, so it's, it's it. basically yeah. a four-question framework. Right. And as Jamie said, it's designed to say, basically, observation and impact. And actually, no, I do very, do, people yeah, do what, like. What do you do? I, the questions are, what do I do that you do like? What do I do? that you don't like what don't i do that you do like and what don't i do that you don't like so the idea being that for that individual that answers or for the team that answers yeah you can get clear on the things that they do like and do more of those and the things they don't like and do less of those yeah yeah, all the things you don't very, do and you don't do more of, and and so yeah. absolutely. And what it all surfaces is it first breaks down the barrier of giving feedback, because feedback by itself, in the same way that we use the word measurement, is different to monitoring. It influences the shape of the answer that people give, and it brings an emotional element to actually objective data. So the whole exercise bypasses all of that because it's really saying, "I noticed this; it has this effect." So this is cool. This is, uh, I think, giving people a really powerful and practical entry point into this yeah. concept of minimum viable leadership. So I, if I were to set out a little action plan for people, it would be get get your team together and do the do-do. That's not too many do's. Ask those four questions and have a really open, create a safe space for people to actually answer yeah. honestly in whatever way you need to do. And then use that to come up with your hypothesis on what I'm going to change about my leadership style. What am I going to test out that I think may be more effective? And how am I going to monitor whether or not it is effective? And then put it into practice. Yeah, that's it. The build I would add is have a hypothesis to start your leadership journey with and roll this out after six weeks. Yeah, because it's a great calibrator for you as a leader in the context of the team you're leading. The power is when you do it across the team as well, because you can actually, if you imagine, do it in groups of three or four. Never do it in twos. Always do threes or fours. Every person gets a chance to collectively share, so you start to surface the dynamic of observation impact. 
And as a team, you can then start to look through how are we, how is our dynamic and all the elements and story that we bring to our dynamic helping us and hindering us. Yeah. And it's lovely because it gets specific and it connects the mind and the body and the emotions without it becoming judgmental. Hmm. So I don't tell you, Derry, that you're good or bad about what you've made me feel. I'm just saying that you've done this and it makes me feel this way. Hmm. Or you've not done this and it makes me feel another way. Or you've not done it and and so on and so forth. So suddenly you, you take judgment out and so often poor feedback is associated with it becomes personal and judgmental. This becomes objective but retains the emotion and retains the specificity. And if you baselined as, as a leader, what did I go into this session thinking I should be doing? I've heard this. I'm now going to run some experiments to see whether I can reduce the amounts of don'ts that people don't like or do's that don't like. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to set some goals, test it out, and then monitor again. And then suddenly I've got some data to become more self-aware about, but I'm also building a muscle. And guess what? As a leader, I'm engaging my team in that process with me and they might mimic it because the shadow of the leader is, and this is so simple and repeatable because guess what? Everybody in the team could do exactly this with themselves and each other. If you want minimum viable, there's no, there's many, not many other better options around because you don't need much other than a piece of paper and a pen and a bit of time. And that, is a pretty good starting point for minimal viable leadership, I think. Yeah. And a pretty good ending point for this episode, which has flown by, but That's we have to draw a line. So our next episode, gents, we will be wrapping up season one and looking ahead to season two of the Shark <laughs> podcast. Exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Ahead. Exciting times. And I look forward to that conversation. Have a yeah, enjoy day, your chefs. weekend, guys. Graham, I hope the weekend comes swiftly. Jamie, I hope the week ends swiftly. any of the subjects we cover in this podcast spark inspiration curiosity or concern within you do drop us a line details are in the comments below and we'll be happy there to listen and see how we can offer the best support for you